0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 1,237. I'm kicking off a six-episode series where I am looking at the legends of Luke Skywalker and seeing what kind of truths, half-truths, or suppositions, speculations we can find in the new book by Ken Liu. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Alvin Johnson with the 501st Legion, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and first off, I want to say thanks to Disney Lucasfilm Press for sending me a copy of The Legends of Luke Skywalker, which is one of the novels in the big Journey to the Last Jedi publishing initiative. And the cool thing about this is is that we get to read half a dozen stories about Luke Skywalker and speculate about what level of truth is being told to us about Luke Skywalker. He, of course, at this point is a source of complete mystery to us. Well, you know, maybe I should step back from that and say not entirely complete mystery, all right? We do know that he sought out a couple of very powerful force-related trees in the first six months after the Battle of Endor. We know that he retired to a very private life. We know that he was involved in trying to build up some sort of new Jedi Academy, a new Jedi Order. We know that he was taking on ben solo for training and possibly some discipline some direction in life we know that he feels responsible for the loss of ben to the dark side and presumably also feels responsible for the destruction of his fledgling jedi academy as well he has ensconced himself on a remote island because well we're gonna find out soon enough in the last jedi but yeah so we know a little bit about him but we don't no, a lot. Certainly not a lot in that 30-year time period in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So I thought it would be fun for you and I, especially considering that we've got a holiday weekend here, a long extended weekend with Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all of that foo happening. So... There's ample amount of time, right, to relax and kick back and think about Star Wars and what's going to happen in The Last Jedi and where Luke Skywalker has been in his life that brought him to be hiding out on a random island in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) literally just about in the middle of nowhere. So I'm going to go through the stories in The Legends of Luke Skywalker one by one over the next few days and see what kind of truth we can discern from these stories and so far, at least with the first one, which is called The Mythbuster, there's very little truth to grab onto at this point. It is actually a rather riotous story and a great way to kick off this whole book. I should say that the book itself is wrapped in a story of a bunch of deckhands traveling to Canto Bite. On a cargo shuttle and they want to hear stories about luke skywalker and so it turns out that some of the folks on the ship actually know some stories or have heard some stories and so the book is various tellings of stories that have been told to the tellers about luke skywalker or at least in two of the cases the stories are actually being told by the people who experienced the interaction with luke skywalker And as if you probably haven't figured this out yet, this will be a full spoiler podcast if you have not read The Legends of Luke Skywalker and you don't want it spoiled for you. Save this podcast for a later date, but if you're down with me jumping into it, then let's jump into it. So the Mythbuster is the story of a former Imperial officer who is at a smuggler's bar and telling stories of what really happened with the original Battle of Yavin and the band of rebels who helped cause the destruction of the Death Star. And it turns out that this person is a wicked conspiracy theorist and has concocted the most amazing Justifications for the actual story of Star Wars, and some of them are, like I said, it's an absolutely riotous way of kicking things off. For example, he says that the destruction of Alderaan was staged, and everybody, of course, objects crazily to that. No, it wasn't staged. Of course, it was blown up. And he says, no, no, no. It was blown up. I'm not saying that they didn't blow it up. I'm saying it didn't happen the way that everybody said it happened, that there actually was no Death Star and that it was a propaganda stunt to make everybody afraid, to make the moths and senators afraid, and that it was really... A lot of proton charges along tectonic plate fault lines and that sort of thing and so the wizardry of the rebellion was in deciding that they were going to counteract this story of a death star by inventing the battle of yavin and saying hey we blew up the death star and the empire couldn't possibly say no you didn't because the death star in this conspiracy theory doesn't even exist but the thing about alderaan here's the justification for The Conspiracy Theory. Reedy or Reddy, the former Imperial officer, she says, If you examine the footage of the destruction of Alderaan closely, which I've done frame by frame, you would notice that some of the shots showed just a brilliant ball of sparks, while others showed an expanding ring of superheated material in space. How could the same event have two different filmed versions? clearly faked, unquote. And I thought this was a brilliant way to have fun with the original theatrical edition and the special edition of Star Wars. What a great wink and a nod to Star Wars fans with something like that. Absolutely fantastic. And this character Reddy has done her homework about Luke and his background. She says in the telling of her tale that as for his skills as a mechanic, we know from multiple sources he often went to Tashi Station on Tatooine for power converters. And there's somebody at the table listening to this story, who we'll get to in a minute, who says those things can be tricky. And he is interrupted by Reddy, who says, Not unless the kid was lazy. Any real mechanic can tell you that power converters for moisture farming equipment are designed to be rugged and easy to repair in the field. Buying new power converters once a year as they wear out may be excusable, but having to go multiple times a month meant that he was either incapable of fixing them or merely using them as an excuse to go to town to waste time with his similarly lazy friends. So Luke is managing to get burned down to the ground in the retelling of the tale from this conspiracy theorist perspective. And incidentally, Skywalker isn't his real name. It's Claude Plotter, Luke Claude Plotter, P-L-O-D-D-E-R. And he ends up hooking up with a gang of con men, basically, which include the crew of the Century Turkey. Yes, and that's, of course, the ship that eventually is renamed the Millennium Falcon to give it a grander name as it becomes part of the fight for the Rebellion. And as for the crew that Luke Claudeblotter falls in with, the leader of the gang is Benny Wise Man O'Kenobi. That's O apostrophe K-E-N-O-B-Y. Wow. And the other folks in the gang include Hansel, Lightning Hand Shooter, a seasoned Karelian smuggler and habitual liar who never kept a bargain, and Chewy Shaggy Baccarat. A Wookiee with a gambling addiction who served as the group's muscle and means of intimidation. And Luke's nickname in this whole enterprise is Babyface. (laughs) And it's only as the Rebellion decides to use these folks for propaganda purposes, specifically Leia Organa, that they get new names Skywalker and Solo and so on and so forth. Oh, anyway what an awesome funny tale this is but but the real twist with the whole luke skywalker thing doesn't happen until after this conspiracy theorist finishes her tale and i'm going to explain that part after the break stay tuned This episode is brought to you by Nissan and their Master the Drive sweepstakes going on now through November 27th. You can enter for the chance to win your own personalized ride inspired by Star Wars The Last Jedi. Plus, you and three friends could get tickets to the opening night screening of The Last Jedi at the world-famous El Capitan Theater in Los Angeles. And, and... limited edition executioner trooper collectible helmet all you have to do to enter is go to nissanusa.com star wars to customize a star wars inspired nissan vehicle again that's nissanusa.com star wars to enter and last but not least here are the legal details deep breath here we go no purchase necessary contest ends november 27 2017 you must be 18 years or older to enter it's for residents of the 50 u.s states and washington dc only entries rules and odds are at nissanusa.com star wars and it's void where prohibited Welcome back. All right, so the meta of all of this is that Dwogan, who is the ship's cook on the Wayward Current, the Wayward Current is the cargo ship that's taking all these deckhands to Canto Bite and taking a big shipment of stuff. So Dwogan is the person who is telling this tale to the deckhands, is recounting this experience where Dwogan was in a bar listening to Reedy t- share this wild conspiracy theory. And at the bar was a person in a hooded cloak who seemed very interested and almost taken aback at a couple of points in the storytelling. And it was very strange. And once the tale was over, this person in the hooded cloak was, you know, very, you know, pleased to hear the tale and said it was one of the most interesting things he'd heard in quite a while and that that was saying a lot considering his own history gave the bartender a power cube to supercharge really fast because he was like getting back to his droid and then went to grab the power cube and everybody was like wait 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 because apparently when you supercharge a power cube really quickly it gets so hot that it will just melt your skin off, but this person in the hooded cloak just grabbed it with his right hand and just, you know, had a little black glove on it and nothing major or anything like that. Didn't even react, right? So we're all supposed to go, ooh, it's Luke Skywalker, right? And Dwoogan apparently had the idea that it might have been Luke. And so Dwoogan chases this character outside as he's leaving and says, Do you know something about the events in Reedy's story? And this person says, Let's say that I do. And Dwogan says, Was any of what she said true? And the guy says, Let's say that some of my friends would not agree with that particular version. And so Dwugan says, Why didn't you correct her? And... Ultimately, you know, Dugan's like, well, you know, to defend their reputations, and the guy says, the heroes of the New Republic didn't think of themselves as heroes. They thought of themselves as ordinary men and women who did what had to be done to restore freedom and justice to the galaxy. For me to challenge her would have been giving in to fear, fear that their reputations rather than their deeds were what mattered. It would have led to anger, anger that they were not worshipped by everyone who benefited from their sacrifices. It would have led to hate hate that the truth was not enough by itself, but that would have been giving in to the dark side. And that gives Dwogan quite a bit of pause, and she stops a moment to kinda of reflect on that herself. But the stranger, as she's doing that, says, he raised his hand in a gesture of benediction and said, You'll go back now to enjoy another story in refreshing spice tea. And the narrative continues, The wind by the shore was chilly, and nothing in the world seemed more wonderful than wrapping my hands around a warm mug and hearing Rady tell another outrageous tale. I will go back now to enjoy another story and refreshing spice tea, I said. Then the narrative finishes, the man smiled, put up his hood, and walked away. So of course we're meant to think that it's Luke Skywalker and that he performed the Jedi mind trick on Dwoogan, but, you know, the thing that doesn't sit right with me about that is, is that is that I can't imagine that the Jedi mind trick works in such a way that the person would actually remember being told the thing that they are being told in the mind trick, right? Like the stormtrooper in Mos Eisley probably didn't say to himself, oh, that old guy waved his hand at me and said, these aren't the droids you're looking for, right? Because if he went to tell his superiors that he would be summarily shot, right? I mean, I don't think that's the way it works. (laughs) Not in the slightest, especially if it's supposed to be a Jedi mind trick. The trick is supposed to be that they don't know what's happening, right? It should just be their own idea. It shouldn't be one where they realize, oh, somebody suggested that to me. So this is where we get into the question of how reliable are the storytellers in the Legends of Luke Skywalker? And in this particular case, I would say Dwogan is fairly reliable overall, certainly just in the reportage of what Reedy's story was, you know, not claiming that it was actually true, but the elaboration on the Jedi mind trick makes it seem like that might have been added for embellished effect. But even as Reedy is telling the story, Dwogan is reporting that the hooded man is saying things like, I guess I knew someone who would agree with you on that. And that is in reference to Luke hanging out with his lazy friends, right? So a line like that suggests a line specifically like, I guess I knew someone who would agree with you on that. That line suggests a certain level of intimacy with Luke's backstory. And it raises the question of what does the galaxy know about Luke's backstory? You don't imagine that it was really that big of a secret because you would think whatever propaganda the Rebellion would be able to put out there, they would have to talk about Luke Skywalker, right? So it's not like he was an unknown quantity. It's not like his name wasn't out there. Chances are some sort of biographical stuff in there, it would have been there. Like, you know, a farm boy raised on Tatooine, you know, his poor uncle and aunt who were killed by stormtroopers in... The whole story of the Death Star plans, like, that would have to have been passed on and all that sort of thing. So you would think that the galaxy would be aware of at least that much information. So this hooded man saying, I guess I knew someone who would agree with you on that, certainly sounds like it could be Luke himself saying it, but, ugh, you know, that could also be embellishment by Dwoobin as well. So what occurred to me, based on that last bit in the story where he's talking about how, you know, fear and hate and anger, all that stuff, it didn't strike me as Luke talking so much. And I had a moment where I wondered if this was actually Lorsan Tekka whom Dugan had run into. Now... Before you stop me on that one, regarding Lorsan Tekka's right hand, yes, in The Force Awakens it does look like a regular human hand, but I would remind you that Luke's synthetic robotic hand in Empire Strikes Back slash Return of the Jedi also looked very much like a, <laughs> like an actual human hand. We have no evidence that Lorsan Tekka's right hand is a mechanical one, but we also have no evidence that it isn't either. And we also know he was quite the traveler of the galaxy and also looking for information as to Luke Skywalker's whereabouts as well. So, yeah, I think there's actually a better than even chance that we're dealing with Laura Santeca in this story. And incidentally, this story takes place within the last six years before the force awakens because there is a specific reference to the first order as a galactic organization a known galactic organization and really they didn't start coming out of the woodwork at all until the bloodline novel by claudia gray like there was no mention of the first order anywhere and it was still a very secret and shadowy thing until the end of Bloodline when Leia finally said, all right, we're you know breaking away from the Republic and we're organizing the resistance to deal with this new thing, which seems to be the first order. So anyway, so this story actually takes place sometime within those six years. And again, my take, I don't think this was Luke Skywalker that Dougan ran into, but I'd love to hear your theories on whether it is or isn't and why you think so. So please do share them at the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at sw7x7.com. That, my friends, is going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go visit the Clone Factory, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com slash sw 7 x 7